0: Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Gopotick, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown, and today we are joined by Dr. Ben Hoffman.
1: We're so thankful to have Dr. Hoffman back with us for a quick interview today. Just a reminder to those of you who may not have heard any previous Interviews with him, Dr. Hoffman is a seasoned physician with an extensive background in occupational and environmental health, clinical medicine, and transportation safety.
0: So a lot of the times we can neglect and forget about other issues going on, with especially with COVID going on. So today we wanted to focus more on the flu and the flu vaccine and kind of get some little compare and contrast, but with the main emphasis being on the flu.
1: Yeah, we've relied heavily on Dr. Hoffman over the last about 18 months, bringing us the up-to-date and most latest information on COVID. So wanted to circle it back around and give you guys some updated and great information on the flu. So here's our interview with Dr. Ben Hoffman.
0: So this is a topic that I think has been kind of neglected and almost forgotten about. And we were glad to have you on. i very grateful for your time, Dr. Hoffman, to talk about the flu vaccine. So just the flu in general, what has been the impact of the flu on our society on just an average year? Maybe not just so specific, but just, you know, just with deaths and sicknesses and missed work. What are some of those effects that the flu has on average every year?
2: Well, the flu really does have a big impact on us personally and in the employment situations. The amount of time lost as a result of the flu is substantial, and The number of deaths range from about 40,000 on the low end per year to up to about 80 or 100,000 if it's a bad flu year. The complication this year is that we have two flus going at once, which is going to have an impact on people.
0: Now, what do you mean by two in a year? Is that like two different strains? Uh, How is that different than what a normal year occurs?
2: Well, we're calling this a twindemic in that people have the potential to get the seasonal flu, which will spread this year. Uh, I think there's a big reduction in mask usage going on, so the chances of people spreading it to one another like any other year is high. But we also have the other flu going on, which is the pandemic SARS-CoV-2 flu, and that flu combined with the seasonal flu is going to increase the number of people who could get sick this year.
1: You know, there were some reports last year that overall the flu numbers were less reported. Do you feel that this has anything to do, you know, we just related to this year's flu and combined with the COVID flu, Overall, do you think it was because we socially distanced or had some of those things in place? Does the COVID vaccine provide any protection? Just kind of talk to or continue on the comparison with the two of them.
2: Well, last year was interesting because people were, as you mentioned, Amber, socially distancing and wearing masks. And when, since that did occur, and also people remained inside away from others commonly, whether it be the workplace or stores every place that people go about their business in society. So the chances of having somebody transmit it to you was much lower. So we saw a very mild flu season last year. This year, people will be out and about and their chances of contracting the seasonal flu will be much higher. The honest truth is we really don't know yet. The seasonal flu that moves around the world this time of year, still hasn't really hit in a major way. And as you know, there are some years where the flu is quite significant, and it really makes people sick. I think we're just going to have to wait and see what happens this year.
0: Now, there seemed to be, I remember when COVID first started, a lot of people were talking about how, oh, it's not the flu, it's not the flu, it's not the flu. Is, there, is it more scientifically accurate to describe it and acceptable to, to describe it as a type of flu? Or do, are there, is there still that desire to separate it as it's not the flu?
2: Well, the term flu is really a lay term. It's not a medical term. And it has to do more with the types of symptoms that someone gets. The SARS-CoV-2 symptoms are similar to the normal annual seasonal flus we get. The difference between SARS-CoV-2 and the other respiratory viruses that circulate on an annual basis is that we have no antibody to it. Generally speaking, when the flus come around, again and again and again, there's antibody limited or even full antibody to those seasonal flus. And as a result, uh, this SARS-CoV-2 has the chance to overwhelm the immune system if it can act quickly enough in the person's body to overwhelm the defenses. And when when you overwhelm the defenses as a result of the SARS-CoV-2 organism, you can get quite sick. And as you know, you can die amber asked i didn't finish answering amber's question about the relationship between the two organisms. There is limited evidence that if you have seasonal flu, you get the seasonal flu. it may provide some protection to sars cov two and vice versa if you have if you've gotten sars cov two or you've had a vaccine, you may in fact have some limited more ability than none to fight the seasonal flu. This has been shown in a number of studies, whether or not it's going to pan out to be true, we really don't know. The bottom line here is that you should get a COVID immunization and a seasonal flu immunization. And if they can protect one another slightly, then go for it. It's just another reason to get vaccinated.
1: Speaking of vaccinations, a lot of people are talking about the effectiveness of the vaccine and any effectiveness is is great is is kind of what I took from what you just said. But do you have some numbers or can you compare? pair and contrast maybe the effectiveness between the the flu vaccine and preventing the flu versus the COVID vaccine and preventing actual sickness and COVID.
2: Okay. So every year, the the world of pharmaceutical manufacturers slash vaccine manufacturers try to determine what the circulating seasonal flu organisms are going to be. And it's based upon the beginning of flu Season in other parts of the world, and then trying to determine which ones are likely to hit the West. And it's a best guess. Some years they hit it right on, some years they don't hit it right on. On an average, about 50% of the time, we're able to accurately predict which flu bug is going to enter the United States and the Western world. And the flu shot is targeted towards them. This year, there is a quadrivalent flu vaccine that is being used, meaning that it is targeted against four different seasonal flu organisms. And there's a hope and a likelihood that it will be able to target the seasonal flu that is going around. And therefore it'll be more than a 50% effectiveness. Keep in mind the same principle is true with seasonal flu vaccines in that these vaccines, whether it be for COVID or it be for the seasonal circulating bugs, the intention and the engineering of these vaccines are meant not to necessarily block you from getting infected, but to reduce the chances of severe disease and hospitalization and death. So, uh, and and we've seen this, and I think uh, we've all learned, and there's been you no know, learning by the public some of these scientific principles about the COVID vaccine, in that you've been seeing these numbers of 77% effective, 80, 90, 95% effective. Those numbers relate to the ability of the COVID vaccine to block the chances that somebody is going to end up getting really sick the vaccines were not necessarily engineered to reduce the chances of one of a person getting infected or getting mildly sick now they do are they are effective at that but they're not 100% effective at that on the other hand all the vaccines that are being used in the world today for covid are really good and some especially good at reducing the chances of somebody getting severe disease and or dying.
0: Okay. So I have a question that I've always wanted to ask an expert, and I don't think I've ever gotten around to it. And I'm sure it's been asked, but is there a way, like, let's say the world goes down on lockdown for a winter, would that get rid of the flu altogether? Or where does it stick around from? What would it take to remove it from our society and from the world? Is that a completely unrealistic expectation for anybody to assume could ever happen?
2: Well, there are two questions here. One is, is it realistic to lock down the entire world? Definitely not. <laughs> no, it's not. And, then, <laughs> and some countries have tried that lockdown. That lockdown is consistent with the zero COVID concept that you've seen out there. Several countries have adopted it, but it hasn't been all that effective. So New Zealand had a zero you know, zero COVID, which really meant that there was complete and total lockdown. People had to stay at home. The Chinese have also done it. The Chinese tend to be more effective at this than others. And then the second question is, if we did lock down for a number of weeks, would that end this pandemic? And the answer to that question is probably yes, because there's no transmission. This virus has to have a human or some other mammalian species to be able to survive. So if there are no susceptible hosts, then it would not be able to propagate itself. One of the problems with all these types of organisms, SARS-CoV-2 is an example of it, is that it tends to affect more than one species. So it's very difficult to eradicate a virus if it infects more than one species. Because you could lock down humans, but if you can't lock down bats or other species that harbor or get sick from these viruses, it would become, it becomes very difficult to totally end it. So, really, with SARS CoV 2, you have other mammals that are impacted by it. One is a, uh, is this bat that, seems to harbor it. And so that's why it becomes so difficult to control these organisms.
1: Well, Dr. Hoffman, we really want to thank you for coming on and giving us a quick rundown on the flu and some more updates on COVID. You've been our COVID expert over the last year and a half, but really appreciate your time and your expertise.
0: Well,
2: thank you, Amber and Curtis. Appreciate your time today also.
0: always fun to have Dr. Ben Hoffman on. He is a a wealth of knowledge and just very real in his understanding of of what's going on. And I I was really kind of hesitant to ask that last question because it's kind of a silly question when you're like, well, why why can't we just do this one thing and be done with it? And I think he gave some real realistic expectations as to why you can't just lock down the whole world for a month. Are we all as a society, as a world, are we really ever going to be able to do that? It would be nice, but let's be real. And then in the And like it can affect animals. Like it's such a more complex. So I feel like it was a a realistic conclusion to the why can't we just make this simple, right? I mean, I I think you feel the same way. Like it's not just this there's no one simple silver bullet to fix this issue that affects us all the time.
1: No, Curtis, I think that was a great question. Dr. Hoffman gave us a perspective, even if we as humans do all of these things that have been shown to work, shown to reduce Illness, whatever the illness is, whether we're talking about flu, whether we're talking about COVID, you know, you he didn't say wash your hands, but we know wash your hands, socially distance. We saw, you know, just as he said, just as we've seen, you know, people cut back last year. They stayed home. They worked from home. You know, we didn't have a huge going out for the holidays, and the number of people just being sick overall was reduced. So it's effective. I'm just really glad that he pointed out it can live other places too. So even though we do our thing. we do our part, there are just some illnesses that we're never going to fully eradicate. So to do our best and be our best for other humans, for our friends and our family, if we can do our part, if we can try and stay socially distanced or get your vaccines, gosh, darn it, it helps reduce the severity of the disease. You know, I think, gosh, there was just so much good information today. Overall, let's just do our part. Let's help each other out and make this world a better place.
0: Definitely. It's never one thing. Uh, You just got to attack it from all angles, whether it's safety, whether it's your health. You know, it's not just the diet. It's you got to diet, exercise and sleep management. Life is more complex and we as humans want to bring it down to the last level. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.